0: This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And hello, welcome again to Worship with West Concord as we gather online. Now, we have finished our study of the book of Malachi, and we looked at emerging from captivity, responding to the situation at hand rather than reacting to it, and hopefully God is using this difficulty to transform us and to make us better. Hopefully we're responding to that. But the key word here is difficulty, and this has been such a difficulty with this pandemic and all the pandemonium in our cities, and our lives have been just turned upside down. Our jobs, even just going to the grocery store or going out to eat, has been something that we have to put a lot of thought into. For many of you out there, your jobs are diminished, or maybe you've lost your job, and that's difficult. I can't imagine what you're going through right now, but... Nonetheless, it is difficult, as you and I well know. And so as we emerge from this slowly, we're looking for one word. We're looking for peace. And the question is, how do you find peace in the midst of confusion? Because this whole thing is confusing. We get stories from the news media. We get stories from social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We get all of this information. And I'm beginning to realize nobody really knows what the right answers or the true answers are out there. So it's confusing. And we're having to make major decisions about finances, about education, about work, and all of these things. Just going to the grocery store, as I said earlier, is a major decision. And in the midst of all of this confusion, how do we find peace? How do we stay at peace? So we're going to talk about this morning, peace in the midst of confusion. Because I believe God wants us to have peace. He wants us to be people who are at peace. And we, above anybody else, should be able to realize that because through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with God. God's Spirit dwells and lives within us. And because of this, peace is something that is not only attainable, but it's also something that we can live in But we have to know how to get it and where it comes from. I love what St. Augustine, St. Augustine of Hippo. He was the bishop in North Africa of a a place called Hippo. And he was a very well-known, still is today in church history, uh, an apologist, a scholar, a preacher. And he said this about God and about peace. He said, you have made for us, or rather you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Again, St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. I think the problem that we're dealing with today is we're seeking to find our heart's rest in our economy or in our politics or in our education or something else. Our world is in turmoil and therefore our hearts are in turmoil because I think our hearts have been misplaced. So we're going to talk about the peace that God can provide because God made us to rest in Him, to find peace in Him. We're going to go this morning to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, Jesus has risen from the grave. He has appeared to some of His disciples and He's getting ready to appear to more of them. And understand this about his disciples at this time. They had followed Jesus for over three years. They had abandoned their families. They had abandoned their businesses for a great extent. And they had followed him. He was the center and focus of their lives. And then what happened? He was taken. He was brutally treated. He was executed on a cross. And they watched him die. And all of a sudden, their whole world caved in on them many of their expectations were exploded because they saw Him as the Savior, which He ultimately is, of course, but they expected Him to save them from the oppression of the Romans. They expected, them, they expected Jesus to save them from the difficulty they were experiencing at that moment. And all of a sudden, the person they had put all of their hopes in had just died, and their world fell apart around them. And so they were struggling with that. And Jesus appears to him after he had risen, just as he said he would. And he appears to them, and he wants to give them first and foremost peace. He wants their heart again to rest on him. So as we go to Luke chapter 24, we're going to pick it up in verse 36. Jesus has just left the road to Emmaus where he showed himself alive to two distraught disciples on the road to that place. And now in verse 36 of Luke 24... He says this, he says, Now, as they said these things, these disciples, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you, or peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. I want you to notice, first of all, that Jesus gives us his peace, true peace, real peace, lasting peace comes not from our circumstances, but from our Savior. Because as you already have experienced, as we've experienced, circumstances change. And they change sometimes rather quickly. Just several months ago, our world was going along fine. Then all of a sudden, boom, a pandemic. All of a sudden, we're hiding in our houses, wearing masks, trying to stay safe. You never know when something's going to occur. One minute you're healthy, the next minute you get a bad diagnosis from a doctor. One minute financially you're doing fine, the next minute you lose your job. Things can change in a second. They can disappear. They can appear, all kinds of good things, bad things. And the thing is, if we put our our hope and our rest in our government, that's a bad place. Or if we put our hope and our rest in our economy, that's not wise. Or we're trusting in our own abilities, our own talents, we're in trouble God has created us so that we might find rest and peace in Him. And when Jesus died, oh man, all of a sudden the, the, the world of the disciples was just overturned. But now He wants to come and give them His peace again. And listen, Jesus wants to give us His peace today. He wants us to be at peace because we are also His disciples. He has died, yes, He was buried, yes, but He rose again from the dead. When we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are celebrating victory over death. Death is the thing we fear most of all. And if God has won victory over death, then we can find peace. So Jesus appears to his disciples. They were talking among themselves, and he tells them, peace be to you. You see, when our world is troubled, he wants to give us peace. When our world is troubled, he wants to give us peace. Their world was troubled. They didn't understand what had happened. Even though he prophesied and told them earlier that he would rise again from the dead, he would be taken, killed, but he would rise, they still didn't get it. And so Jesus appeared to them and he brought them his peace. He does that when our world is troubled and when our hearts are terrified. Look again in verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened. And then by seeing him there in front of them, they thought they had seen a ghost. So even His presence terrified them. They were confused. Listen, sometimes God does stuff in my life that just totally confuses and terrifies me. Sometimes God requires things of me that make me push out of my comfort zone, rise uh, uh, above my comfort level. And it terrifies me. Sometimes God does that because God is trying to reorient my heart toward Him. So Jesus first of all, gives us His peace. It's there. It's available to all who seek it, all who want it. We just have to appropriate it. So let's continue to look at this. And I want to share with you another quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this. He says, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from Himself. You're not going to get it from God apart from Him. And because it is not there, there is no such thing as peace apart from God. Now, I realize there are atheists, agnostics, skeptics, people of other religious persuasions, other belief systems that appear to have peace. But oftentimes, we portray something on the outside that is not really true on the inside. They, they, they might portray a confidence or an assurance. But in the back burner of their mind, there's always a concern, always a worry, always a fear. What's coming? What's going to happen? Will my philosophy hold up? Will my belief system save me? What about that? You know, it's a wonderful thing about being a Christian is that we have peace from God and we have peace with God. See, through Jesus Christ, I know I'm going to heaven one day. Not because I'm any good, not because I'm perfect, not because my religion will save me, because it won't. I have peace with God and from God, through Christ, and therefore I'm satisfied, I'm assured, I know I'll be in heaven with him. So I don't lay awake at night worrying. I don't lay awake at night thinking God is going to leave me behind, while other relationships, other systems of belief, they don't provide that assurance. God cannot give us happiness a peace apart from himself, because he is not there. There is no such Thing, because peace is not there apart from him. C.S. Lewis, a great philosopher, shares that with us. So as we continue in Scripture, I want to notice not only does give, Jesus give us his peace, but he gives us his presence. As we read on, let's look in Luke in chapter uh, 24. As we get into 38, he said this. He said to them, why are you, why are you troubled? You know, why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? And why do you have doubts arise in your heart? Look at verse 39. Behold my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. I'm not a ghost. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Now Jesus is saying, look, I'm here with you now. This is me. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I'm not an apparition. I am physically with you right now. I am physically in the room. Touch me. Take my hands, take, take, take your hand and touch my shoulder, touch me. Remember at Thomas who doubted. He said, Lord, unless I can touch the wound in your hands and in your side, I will not believe. And Jesus reached out his hand. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. But they were, they were frightened. They were going, "Well, wait a minute. And Jesus says, it's me. And he said, come touch me. But we don't see in this passage anyway, anybody taking him up on that offer. See, in this passage, Jesus invites them to come. His invitation to his disciples is, interact with me. I'm here. It's me. But the disciples were a little frightened. So look at verse 40. It says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, as he did with Thomas, But while they they still not believed for joy, they were so excited it was him, they couldn't believe it. Have you ever done something that you thought was too good to be true or seen something? Man, this is too good to be true. This is what they were saying. This is what they were thinking. This is just too good to be true. But while while they still not believed for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. He wanted to show them tangible proofs of his existence and presence with them. So he asked for a piece of fish and some honey, and he ate in front of them, and he ate with them. Because ghosts don't eat. Images don't eat. Mirages don't eat. Fantasies don't eat. Jesus wanted to demonstrate, yes, I'm here. Some people ask me as I'm studying for an apologetics degree, Pastor, why are you doing that? What's so important about apologetics? What is apologetics? Well, apologetics is simply defending the faith, demonstrating proofs that God exists, that Jesus is real and the Bible is true. Right now, we see an apologetic moment. Jesus is demonstrating via proofs, tangible, physical proofs, that He is present with them. And that's what Jesus wants to give. He wants to give us His presence with us. When you and I receive Christ as our Savior, God's Spirit comes to dwell in us. He comes to live in us. Now, there is no physical sensation. There is no physical action that happens when God comes to move in. Nor do we have Jesus' physical presence with us right now. But nonetheless, He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. We know that's true. We know that he's here because he has proven it earlier in scriptures such as this. We have evidence of Jesus physically rising from the dead. We have evidence of Jesus ministering physically after he had risen from the dead. And so therefore, we have physical evidence of Jesus' person and personality. And because of that, we can trust in his promises that spiritually he's present with us right now. Listen, we're not going through the pandemic alone. We're not going through these trials that arise from it alone. He is with us. He is in it with us. Just like he was in the boat with the disciples when the storms came. He is in our boat with us as our storms come. So we can find peace because of Jesus' presence in our lives. If you're a believer, his spirit lives within you. He knows you. He walks with you. He's not going to leave us behind. He even said at the end of the Gospels, Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. He is with us and He will not leave us. He says He carries us in His hand according to John 10. According to John chapter 6, He's not going to cast us out, nor is He going to lose us. So we have Jesus' presence. He proved it to His disciples and through them proves it to us as well. So He invited them to come and interact with Him. And so they did that. And uh, they interacted with him and they found that it was him. He ate the fish. He ate the honey. And they were able to touch his hands. They were able to see the nail prints in his hands and feet and, and the wound in his side. And they believed because of the proof. So Jesus gives us his peace. He gives us his presence. And understand this about his presence. I'm not sure where this quote comes from, but it says safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. God is presence with us. It doesn't mean we're safe when nothing bad is around us. Because listen, we live in a fallen, broken, sinful, confused, disillusioned, darkened world. If a COVID virus wasn't going on, there'd be something else going on in the world. We'd have threats from other enemy nations. We'd have threats from criminality and and all sorts of things happening in the world. Or there's hurricanes that come, natural disasters that happen, droughts, other diseases, financial problems. There's always some danger lurking at the door. Peace does not come at the expense of danger, But we find peace in the presence of Almighty God. The world around us can be swirling and turning. But if we're focused on God, we have that peace because He is here with us. Again, you remember the story of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee in the boat with His disciples. The storm was raging. The disciples were fearful. Where was Jesus? Sound asleep in the back of the boat. When He woke up, He said, what are you all so panicky about? I'm here with you. And he calmed the sea. My question to us and to myself and to you is why are we so panicky sometimes? If we believe the Bible is true, that God is real and Jesus is risen, doesn't it stand to reason that God is here with us as he said he would be? He gives us promise after promise. Jesus proved it by physically rising from the dead, proving his physical presence with his disciples. And so he proves his spiritual presence with us as well. So safety doesn't consist in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. Let's look at our third point. Jesus not only gives us his peace, he not only gives us his presence, but he gives us his promises. The whole Bible is full of promises. The biblical truth that, uh, it, it, that they showed in Scripture, look at what it says in verse 44. Then he said to them, there are words, or rather these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. You remember he told them, he said, I know in Mark chapter, in the gospel of Mark, rather in different chapters, he said three times that he would be taken, crucified, and then he would rise again from the dead. And each time he told them that, oh, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. No, that's just crazy talk. Oh, we don't believe. And he told them three times. He promised them that he would rise, but they just didn't get it. They didn't believe it. They were a little dull, if you want to know the truth. But here in verse 44, he said to them, These are the words which I I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Not only his spoken words were being fulfilled, but all the prophecies of the Old Testament were coming coming true right in front of the disciples. They were being realized right in front of them. They They were seeing him. Everything that they had read about the Messiah in the Old Testament was being brought to pass before their very eyes. He said, so all of these things that you heard, all the truths stated in Scripture, they're coming true. Now, I want you to notice what they did. So they they not only had biblical truth stated, but they also studied biblical truth. Look what it says. This whole meeting turned into a Bible study. Verse 45... And He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. You know, it's amazing to me whenever we face trouble or trial, whatever it is, it seems like the Scripture is always the last place we go. It's always the last thing we trust. And the reason why is because we don't know it like we should. We don't know the Bible like we should. We don't spend time with it. We're lazy with our scriptural studies. We're we're illiterate when it comes to biblical truth. And so when we are faced with the struggles and trials of life, rather than have that passage that we've memorized come right up to us, we get panicky and we go to our buddies, we go to our girlfriends, we go to Facebook, we go to the news media, we seek out comfort, we seek out answers, we seek out hope from all different sources. And usually when they come up a bust, we finally, in frustration and anger, go to the Word of God. And even then, we don't know where to look because we haven't looked there before. And so what did Jesus do? He brought peace by opening the word, showing them his promises, the promises of the Old Testament. And then he led them in a Bible study for heaven's sake. That's why Sunday school and small groups are so important. For our teenagers, that's why the youth ministry is so important. For our children, that's why we do children's ministry. That's why we preach every Sunday, having Sunday school in these small groups, so that you and I might be versed and and just soaked in the word of God. So when we do have problems and we do struggle we have the answers readily available you know the bible often talks about memorization of the word remember psalm says thy word have i hidden my heart that i might not sin against thee we need to be reminded of the promises and the truths of god we shouldn't just run to it as a last resort it should be the very first thing that comes to our minds when we're struggling And so, therefore, that's what Jesus wanted to show them. And that's what we need during this difficult time. We need to lean on the promises and the truths of Almighty God. We need to spend more time, not on social media. I'm going to tell you something about social media, as a matter of fact. It is tearing our churches apart. Social media and the different political garbage that comes up on that and all the stuff that many of our believers and brothers and sisters buy into without investigating, they're being led down all sorts of different paths when we should be focused on the Scripture and not on Facebook. We need to be careful of that stuff. We need to be in the Word to find the truth. To find the truth and to find reality. So Jesus gives us His peace. True peace only comes from Jesus Christ through God. Jesus gives us His presence. He is with us. His Spirit indwells us. He's walking through this as we walk through it. And He gives us His promises in the Word of God. All of these things Jesus wanted His disciples to know after He had risen from the dead. He wanted them to have peace. He wanted their hearts to be restful and to be rested in Him. And so He gives them a Bible study. So he gives them that peace, his presence and those promises. And I want you to notice finally, as we look at our last point, oh, let me stop here before we do that. And I want to remind you of a quote by Thomas Akempis, who is also an early church scholar. You say, Pastor, why do you quote all of these early church scholars? because they were amazingly wise. They were imbued with the word of God and they made it their life's mission to communicate the truths of almighty God. And they should not be forgotten. They should be studied and they should be learned. And he says this, Thomas Akempis, who was a leader in the church said this. He said, the more humble and obedient to God a man is, in other words, obedient to his word, got to know it to be obedient to it, He says, the more obedient and humble to God a man is, the more wise and at peace he will be in all that he does. Did you catch that? So full of wisdom there. The more humble we are, the more obedient to the word of God we are, and that means learning it, knowing it, and living it, then the more at peace we will be when the world blows up around us. Because we will know from God's word and his promises that he is ultimately in control. And he will bring us through that. So let's look at our last point. He gives us peace. He gives us his presence. He gives us his promises. And then he gives us his purpose. He has things for us to do to fulfill his purpose. Look what Jesus told his disciples as we we look at the rest of this passage. In verse 46, It says, He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. In other words, He's reminding them of the Old Testament scriptures that talk about His crucifixion, burial, and resurrection on the third day. He wants them to understand the purpose behind all that they've just gone through. Watching Him get crucified, watching Him become a a, a dead corpse in a sense, watching him him as they buried him and then seeing him alive again. All this world-changing craziness had a purpose and that purpose was, of course, God's salvation. Look at verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. See, understand this. Peace comes through God's promises. We already looked at that. But Jesus is reiterating that in verse 46. He's saying all of these promises have a purpose. There's a reason for them. And that reason is to bring peace and salvation. And I want you to notice peace comes through God's purposes when we are purposed ourselves with them. Look what he says as we continue, verse 48. He says, and you are witnesses of these things. You know, we talk about being witnesses for Jesus Christ. We witness in our testimony our verbal testimony, our physical testimony of God's gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, that word witnesses in the Greek is an interesting word. It is the Greek word myteros. We get our English word martyr from that. In other words, somebody who gives his or her life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we witness the truths of God's word, We are giving our lives or should give our lives to do that. In other words, we find peace in the purpose of God, taking the message of God out so that people might come to know God. That is our purpose. You know, I find in my life, if I just sit around contemplating contemplating my navel, I am going to be burdened, I'm going to be discouraged, I'm going to get depressed if I sit around and look at all the bad things in my life going on, and like yours, I have bad stuff I have to deal with too, then yeah, I can get pretty unsettled and upset. But if I purpose myself, if I find something to keep myself occupied, then I tend not to concentrate on my own miseries. And more important than that, when I have an ultimate purpose that is to bring good to all humanity, that's even better. And God has purposed us with the task of taking the good news of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection to the world. That's why he says to his disciples, and you are witnesses of these things. And quite literally, they were. And they made it their task to go out and take the gospel. Now, no, we weren't there to see these things happen. We, we get them from Scripture. But we have eyewitness accounts, and therefore we are witnesses. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a witness of what God has done in you, through you, and for you. He goes on to say, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit, the enabling and equipping personage of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All believers now are indwelt with the Spirit. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You see, they had a purpose and we find peace through God's purposes. He gives us direction. We're not just bouncing around life like a pinball in a pinball machine. We're not trying to find satisfaction and, and fun through experiences and people and things. We have a purpose, we have a direction, and that is in God. He gives us direction to go out and preach the gospel and live for Him. We have distraction. Instead of sitting around worrying about all of our problems, and we have many, instead of worrying about the problems of our world, we have been tasked to bring the solution to those problems. And doing that task is a good distraction because we're focused on others' needs. We're focused on the needs of our neighbors. We're focused on the needs of the world to take them the good news that we enjoy and it involves devotion. It means we need to wait upon God to let him equip us and to live for him and to devote our lives to him. So God gives us a purpose. And when you and I have a purpose, our purpose is his purpose. When we have that purpose, we are distracted we are directed, we are devoted to taking that good news out. We are, we're too busy to worry about our own problems. We're too busy to worry about our own needs. As a matter of fact, God said if we devote and surrender and yield ourselves to Him as believers in Jesus, He will take care of those problems. He will take care of those needs. He will meet our needs. But sometimes we just don't have enough faith to believe that. Why? Because we ignore His word. Everybody loves to quote Romans 8:28 as we finish up this morning. Romans 8:28 whenever we're going through difficulties like a virus or whatever we're going through, we like to pull this verse out, but I think we really do it an injustice sometimes. It says, "And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God." You know, I hear that sometimes like if you come into work and you've had a flat tire, it's been a rough morning. Usually Sally Spiritual at your job will quote this verse, Well, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, and and you want to slap her. Okay, let's just be honest. Sometimes you just, you know, you're not, you're not ready for all that spirituality yet. And you're thinking, no, this flat tire was not good and I didn't enjoy it. And we like to just flip that verse out. It's like a greeting card or a t-shirt. It's just something we plaster up and we don't pay much attention to it. But let's read the whole passage. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, listen to this, and to those who are called according to his what? His purpose. You know, when you're purposed with the purpose of God and when you're surrendered to him and living out that purpose, yes, God is going to work the things in your life to be good eventually. But he's not saying here that all things are good. Flat tire is not good. Flat tire is a pain in the neck. A sickness is not good. A financial disruption is not good. A COVID virus is not good. He didn't say all these things were good, just walk around with a dumb smile on your face. He's saying when you're living purposed with his purposes, then all the difficulties that may occur are toward working out his good. I like what R.C. Sproul, who passed away just within the last year, he was an apologist, a theologian, and uh, just a phenomenal man. He said this. He said, here referring to the passage, Paul addresses the remote rather than the proximate. The remote being the ultimate good rather than the proximate, the things approximately around us, the bad things that are going on. He says, note that he doesn't say all things are good, but he says that they work together for good, for a final and ultimate goal. The apostle insists that the proximate must always be seen in the light of the remote. In other words, what's going on now may seem terrible and bad, but if God is sovereign and truly in control, then He is ultimately working out these things for an ultimate good. And that's where we have to trust Him. That's where we find peace in the midst of pandemonium. Knowing God is in control and He's doing all of these things and allowing all of these things to create a better good somehow, some way. He goes on to say this. He says, the difficulty we face is that we do not yet possess the full light of the remote. In other words, we don't understand what the good is going to be. He says, on this side of heaven, we see through a glass darkly, yet we are not utterly devoid of light. In other words, we do know that God is good and that God is sovereign. And if God is good and God is sovereign, and He's allowed these things to occur, or even cause them to occur, He has a good goal and good motives behind that. So we know enough about God to know that He has a good purpose for all things, even when that good purpose eludes us. Again, we may not know and understand today, while things are falling apart around us, why they are falling apart. But we can understand and know based on the things we know of God, and that comes from His Word, that God is in charge and God is in control and He's working all of this stuff out for an ultimate good. That's where peace comes in. Jesus gives us His peace through salvation. Jesus gives us His presence by entering into us through His Spirit and walking with us through this life. Jesus has shared with with us the promises of God's Word in the Old Testament and the New Testament and His promises that He spoke. And God has given us the purpose of living for Him and taking the gospel to the world. And yes, we live in a terrible, difficult world sometimes. And I don't understand why bad stuff happens to me, my family, to you, your family. I don't understand specifically why there's a virus going on. I don't like it, I'm not enjoying it, neither are you. I don't understand why people are having to lose their jobs and kids can't go back to school and you can't go to Walmart without a mask. I I don't understand all of that, why God allowed that to happen. But I do know He did allow it or caused it for whatever purpose, and that purpose is good. So if I know that, I can have peace. I can have peace. So here's the bottom line as we finish today. And we find a verse in Isaiah chapter 26 that kind of sums all of this up. And it says it this way. It says it very simply. It says, God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. In other words, through Jesus' promises, his presence, his gift of peace, his purposes, that is God's way of keeping our minds stayed and focused on him. And while we're dealing with and and focused upon God, We haven't got time to look around at the troubles around us. He says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. And that's the key. You see, the reason why we're not at peace is because we're not trusting God for that peace. We're trusting in the Republicans, or we're trusting in the Democrats, or we're trusting in the police, or we're trusting in the doctors, or we're trusting in the economy, or we're trusting in the education system, or we're trusting in the removal of the COVID virus. We're trusting in all of those things. And they may or may not come or they may or may not work the way we want them. The politicians may or may not do what we hope they'll do. Your party might not win. Your president might not be the president next year or whoever, your governor, your mayor. Things may not work out the way you and I may want them to work out. That's why we need to trust God, that God is in control. And if we are focused on him and stayed on him, listen, Jesus has given us his peace. It's available to us. And he proves that by being present with us where two or three are gathered. He's present with us in our hearts and lives. He walks through life with us. He gives us his promises in the word of God. When we do tend to drift and forget, we can go back to the Old Testament, New Testament and regain that faith through the word. And he's given us a purpose for living, not to sit around and contemplate our misery, but to go out and take a message. And that message is the gospel. And as long as our mind is stayed on Him, fixed on Him, because we trust Him, we will find peace in the midst of confusion. Do you have peace with God this morning? God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you could have peace with Him. Because the Bible says without Him, we're at enmity with God. We're on the wrong side of God. We're afar from God. But through Jesus Christ, He brings us close. And if we would just come to him and admit our sin, confess our sin and cast our full faith and confidence in Jesus as our Savior, the crucified, buried, risen Savior, God will give us everlasting life and we will be at peace with God. But not only that, through Christ, God's spirit will come and dwell in us. And we have the promises of God, the presence of Christ in our lives. And then we can have the peace of God to see us through these difficult things. So if you've never trusted Christ, I pray right now as you as you listen to this video and watch it you'll receive Christ as your savior but if you do know him listen the government is not going to give you the answers you need your political party one day is going to be gone the economy one day is going to go south you know i love this country but one day the united states of america is not going to exist not the way we know it anyway human governments rise human governments fall This coronavirus may hang around for many, many months. I don't know. Nobody knows. But I'll tell you what I do know. I know Jesus Christ. I know God. And I know that He has the answers. And I'm going to trust Him the best I can. Will you? For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.